Thank you, Lord. Father, we bless you that you are Lord of all. We thank you, Lord God, for the written word. It is written that Christ is risen. That is not opinion. It is the inspired word of God that you came to save the lost. You died for our sins and was raised again. Thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, for your mercy, for your favor, for your love, for your forgiveness, for your kindness, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have, de- you have declared that we are salt and light. You have declared that we carry a ministry of reconciliation. Thank you, Lord God, that we are strong in you. Thank you, Lord God, that we are more than conquerors in you. Thank you, Lord God, that you have placed us in a position of favor to bring hope and purpose to a community that needs Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you want to grab a seat while the band's still playing? And I just, um, my heart, so um, I'll get into introductions a little bit later, but my heart is worship. Worship's my heart, and I thought to start off with, um, I'll just get the band maybe to sit on the on the bridge and we're going to sing it in a little while but I just wanted to show something to you um, I, I, I love worship I try to hold back a bit because I sing loud and I go a bit crazy but I was holding but a little bit back this little bit this morning um, but I just wanted to show you something in worship that I think we sometimes miss out on and if we just listen to that bridge it goes So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher. Come on, join me. Be lifted higher. So So let your name be lifted higher. Be lifted higher. higher. Sometimes we get to that point and we kind of go, okay, I've had enough now of that bridge part, right? I mean, let's be honest. We kind of go like, can this worship team like get to the next part of the song already? You know, they sit on this bridge and they sit on this bridge, but there's something that we forget. And it goes like this. Lord, would you be lifted higher in my school? So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher. Lifted higher, Father, in my family, let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be Father in my community. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be Father in my workplace. So let your name. to be here with you this morning. Um, so I'm from Sydney. I'm originally from 
the place that Jesus also comes from, which is Cape Town. <laughs> Cape Town is a beautiful city in South Africa. Um, we moved to Australia 2006. Um, my wife and my three kids, we live up in Sydney. And it's been good. It's been a good change. And uh, yeah, we love, we love Australia. The kids sometimes scare us a little bit and say they want to move back to South Africa. Um, my daughter's getting married soon, and I said to them, I'm, I'm not going to have to travel around the world to go and see my grandkids one day, so stay where you are. Um, but as a lot of you know, you know, kids go where their heart leads them and where God leads them, which is all good. Okay, so I wanted to share with you a bit this morning. Um, I, I went through my notes, and I've got, I've only, uh, whatever, I've got 35 minutes, but this is going to take me about an hour to get through. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I wanted to share with you a bit this morning. I had everything laid out. I was sharing with the senior pastor. And thank you for the senior pastor and the leadership team to have me here. It's an honor to share with you. It's an honor to be here. I bring greetings from Community Church Hornsby. You've met our senior pastor, um, Pastor Ian and Christine Miller. Um, so greetings from them. Um, I serve under Ian and sort of basically the associate pastor. Um, our senior pastor's gotten more of an apostolic ministry and he travels quite a bit. So when he's gone, I kind of look after the, the home church. And I work as a, a client partner. I think that's my term. So I basically look after clients and I work in the software space. Um, so yeah, it keeps me busy. Um, what I wanted to talk about this morning is, um, <clears throat> and I had it all laid out. And as you can see, I mean, there's a theme, there was a theme, and it was all sorted out. And then at 4.30 this morning, God woke me up and he said, okay, I want you to speak about this. So um, I'll speak about what he asked me to speak about. Yeah? Is that okay? Okay, now I'm going to get a bit, I, I get a bit loud, I get, I get worked up, I go crazy. And if, if I don't get a response, I'm going to ask you for a response. Because I don't believe in preaching, I, I don't believe in me preaching, I believe we all preach together. Okay? I'll tell some stories. I tell the stories not because I think there's more anointing on my life. It's because I think that we all live powerful lives in Christ. I think a lot of the time as Christians we don't realize how powerful we are. I was involved in deliverance ministry once and a, um, while we were sitting there, a, there was a demonic spirit that said to a guy, you Christians are so stupid, you don't, you don't realize how powerful you are because of Jesus. So I believe we are powerful we are incredibly gifted in Christ, and I believe that it is for freedom that Christ has come to set us free. It is for freedom. So this morning I'm trusting and I'm hoping that what I share will bring you that, that freedom. Amen. I want to speak about quantum worship. Um, that's what God woke me up with. Um, and a word to you as a church, I really felt this morning that God is going to move this church in the area of worship. I believe breakthrough is going to come for your church in the area of worship. I believe you're going to impact a community that needs to understand who Jesus is in the area of worship. And while I unpack this, and I'm going to share it throughout the day, I now have to change all, all the notes I've prepared because God wants me to focus in on worship, which is exciting because I love worship. I could do it all day. Um, so quantum worship. And I want to focus on a story and the time that Lazarus' sister came into a room and spent some time with Jesus. And they were at a party. This party was at the house of Simon the leper. Which is a terrible name, don't you think? Like to be known as Simon the leper. And obviously if he's having a party, he's celebrating that he's not a leper anymore. But he's still called Simon the leper. That's very confronting, right? Because when I, when I read through that, I thought... Isn't it some, sometimes off-putting that people know you by what you were before? And they identify you by what you were before? But the Bible says that you are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And sometimes it's hard when they still know you. You know, I, I remember times going back to South Africa and hanging out with friends. And, and they know me from back then. And I'm different now. And, and, and it's so hard at times to reestablish relationship when the relationship was based on what they've known before. And I think Simon the leper had that problem. And maybe this was his way of kind of redeeming his name by having Jesus over and having a bit of a party. Um, 
with, with Jesus. And, and the story I have on the board, and we'll go through it in a moment. What I've done is I've done sort of a composite of Matthew 26, Mark 14, and John 12, where there's various aspects of the story, and I've kind of put it together to give a more full picture of what happens in the story. So we're going to go through, I'll read through the composite, and you can follow up on the screen. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those that sat at the table with him. If I read slow, I must just tell you, whenever I preach, my wife says to me, I read too fast. I get too excited. So that's why I'm slowing down. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and wiped it. So, so there they made him supper, and Martha served Lazarus, who was also at the, at the table and with him. While he was reclining at the table... Mary took a pound of very costly oil of pure nard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. She anointed the feet of Jesus also and wiped his feet with her hair. Now some some parts of the Bible will talk about she poured it on his feet. Some will say she poured it on his hair. I put the composite together to show you that she did both. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. That's beautiful. But some of the disciples were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? One of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? 300 denarii would be earning $300 a day for a year. That's kind of what the amount would be. So you could see this was very costly perfume. Um, And given to the poor. Then he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box. And he used to take what was put in it. And they all criticized her sharply. But But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, let her alone. Why do you... Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do good for them. But you do not always have me. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Let her alone. I love, I love Jesus' rebuke. He says, leave her alone. Assured, I say to you, whenever this gospel is preached in the whole world, that what this woman has done will also be told in, as a memorial to her. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, what, will, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him thirty pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. What an amazing story. Why am I saying quantum worship? Often quantum is referred to as a quantum leap. It's, it's referred to in, in engineering and all sorts of things. It's, it's, it's this concept that there's something small that's being done, and the small things that being, that's being done causes a great leap. You know, there's, there's a term they use, the butterfly effect. And what the butterfly effect is, it, 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 it implies that there could be a butterfly in Adelaide, and because it flaps its wings in Adelaide, it causes a ripple effect that could change the temperature in Melbourne. So it's just this concept of quantum is something small happens with a big result. Yeah? You understand that? So something small that happens and it has a big result. Okay, so that's the context, the context of, of, of quantum. You see, when we talk worship, we really need to understand what we are actually doing. When we are worshipping, there's something that shifts in the atmosphere that we are not always aware of. We don't always realize. We don't always realize what we declare and what changes in the atmosphere. So let your name be lifted higher. Be lifted higher. Now imagine this. Imagine for 
Because you know where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in that to bless. Right? So God says, God says to us, he will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. So his presence is with us. Then he increases it. He says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am to, and that to bless. Then he increases it again and he says, I inhabit the praises of my people. So it's an increase in presence, an exponential increase in presence. Now, you know if you pray and you say, God, would you help me? Or God, would you come through for me? Or God, would you do this for me in my life? You know there's power in prayer, right? Can you imagine the power in prayer when it's two people praying together, agreeing on the same thing? Yeah? Now, can you imagine 50 people singing over Blackwood, so let your name be lifted higher? Because it's a prayer. Remember, whatever you declare, there's power in the spoken word. So what I'm declaring, what I'm saying, I'm declaring over the sphere that you have given me influence over. So now you understand that there's power in the spoken word, but what happens when we sing it? What happens when we're singing during worship? There's something that shifts in the heavenlies. I'll never forget, I was, some years, some years back I went to, um, I did, uh, um, in the US I did Bethel School of the Prophets. So anyhow, I'm standing the one evening, I'm standing in front and we're worshiping and I'm singing and I just, I love singing and I'm singing. And the Holy Spirit says to me, if you hit this note, you will crack something in the atmosphere. No one's laughing because that's a bit crazy, right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm up for that. I mean, I am at school of the prophets. There's a lot of crazy people around. I'm, I'm up for that, you know? <laughs> so anyway, I'm standing there and, and, and I'm singing and I hit this note. And it's probably the, one of the highest notes I've ever, I've ever hit. And I hit this note and I feel, I kid you not, I feel something shift in the atmosphere. I'm like, what was that about? Anyway, and you know, 10 minutes later, you kind of go like, did I imagine that? Maybe I just imagined that. And I can guarantee you, some of you are sitting there and going, yeah, you probably just imagined that. And that's okay. That's okay. I've got no issues with that. The next day, I'm sitting outside in the sun. We have a break and in between sessions. So I'm just sitting outside in the sun. Now, bear in mind that these are people from all over the world. No one knows anyone. So I'm sitting outside in the sun, just relaxing. A lady walks past and she stops and she looks at me. And she goes, God said yes. I go, what are you talking about? She says, God said yes. When you sang last night, you did crack something in the atmosphere. And she keeps walking. I'm like, whoa. That's incredible. Here's what happened. Never again. That, that time shifted something for me. Never again was my worship experience the same. Never again. Every time. Every time I worshiped. I felt, I sensed that I was in the very throne room of God, worshiping over communities. Because my worship went from an expression of worship to the king to an expression of worship and an intercessory worship over a community. Something shifted. I can't quantify it for you. I can't qualify it for you. But something shifted. And it led me to this point that we underestimate what we declare with our mouths. We underestimate it, especially in the context of worship. Because a, a, a Muslim friend of mine back in South Africa used to tell me, you know, what do you guys do in church? Because it looks like, wait for it, corporate karaoke. <laughs> That's what he said to me. Looks like corporate karaoke. <laughs> and to a lot of people, it might look like corporate karaoke. But not to us. To us that know who he is, that know what we declare when we sing, it's not that, right? There's so much power to what we declare. And, and listen, when you see it on someone else, tell you another story. I was in Wellington. I was traveling to see a client there. Um, so I, I land and man, I flew from Sydney to, to Wellington and I got to Wellington, I think, at just after midnight. And um, Wellington is a, it's a capital city of New Zealand, but the airport is tiny and there's this massive plane that comes in. So there's just these lines of people. And I'm like, okay. Standing in the line. Eventually I get to the hotel at probably just after one in the morning. So I get to the hotel at one in the morning. And I'm tired. I'm telling you, I am tired. And I get to the hotel. I stand in front of the guy and I said, I'd like to check in. He goes, okay. So um, I give him my details. He's busy preparing everything. And he's got a tattoo on his hand. 
And the Holy Spirit says to me, ask him about the tattoo. I'm like, really? At one o'clock in the morning? Like, like I mean, let, let's be honest. God wants to show up at the most inconvenient times. Like, really, at one o'clock in the morning, you want me to ask him? Yes, I want you to ask him about the tattoo. So you do what any self-respecting Christian individual will do. You ask a close-ended question. So there's no discussion after that. So I go, hey, that's a great tattoo. He can either either say thank you or he can say yes. There's nothing else he can say. No, the man didn't say that. The man says, yeah, that was another time in my life. I'm like, no. So I'm standing there and and God says, okay, I've given you the platform. Now go for it. And I'm standing there, and honestly, in my heart, I'll be honest with you, I, I have a lot of these experiences. Let me, let me be honest with you. In my heart, I'm going, no. I just want to go and sleep. I have a client meeting at 9 in the morning because of the time difference. It was three hours at the time. Technically, then, on Sydney time, I have a client meeting at 6 in the morning. I can't do this, Lord. I can't do this. He goes, I told you to speak to the guy. I go, okay. I said, oh, okay. So tell me your story. He goes, no, no, I don't want to talk about it. I'm going, good shot. (laughs) And then while I'm standing there, I just see over this guy this call to worship. That he's a father to the community and he has a call to worship. He's a musician. In fact, I saw over him, he's a bass player. But I don't, you know, I'm just like, I'm seeing these things and I go, okay, I'll, I'll step in. So I step in. I said, man, I just wanted to encourage you. I really feel like, you know, you are a father to the community. In fact, you're a bass player. And there's a lot of kids in the community that look up to you. And God just wanted me to encourage you and tell you, well done. You're amazing. You're incredible. Now this guy's crying. He's got tears in his eyes because God has touched him. But it's this thing when you're seeing worship over someone. And I stepped in and he's crying. He's like moved. He's going, man, that's incredible. That's exactly what I'm doing. I just don't know where to go next. And we started unpacking and I started saying, this is what God is saying. He's saying, you know, step out in the community. You're going to start, you know, little coaching or school classes. I'm teaching the kids how to play. Teaching them, not music, but teaching them how to worship. And he goes, that's exactly what's in my heart. And, and we just chatted. And then he says to me, man, thank you so much. And I said, man, yeah, you have a good, you have a good night. I'm off. He says, look, I'm here till 7 a.m. if you want to come talk again. (laughs) I went, thank you. (laughs) There's something about worship that changes who we are. It shifts the atmosphere. It changes the way we carry ourselves. That time spent in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords changes everything. There's something about worship. And you know what it centers on? And this is something that us as Christians sometimes battle to accept. It centers on the fact that we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. That's not who we are. We are actually spiritual beings having a human experience. Let me say that again. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. How did God paint that picture? He says, a time is coming and is now. When what? When those who worship me will worship me in what? Spirit and in truth. Okay, so of your triune being. Because you know you're a triune being. Your spirit, body, and soul. Correct? So you're a triune being. Guess who's the worship leader? Your spirit man is the worship leader. So sometimes you go like, you come in here and the worship team's going for it and you're going, I don't know if I'm in the mood for that song. I mean, I don't like the feel of that song. And something inside of you goes, come on, just sing, just sing. And you sing, okay, you think, okay, I'm I'm just going to sing, I'm just going to sing. I'm not in the mood for it. I don't feel like I want to sing. I'm just going to sing. And you start singing. And you start understanding what it means when the Bible says that you bring a sacrifice of praise. Even when I don't feel like it, I'm stepping in and I'm worshiping him. And I bring the sacrifice of praise. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. That's what he calls us to. He says, now with that spiritual being, you worship me. And the second thing is, worship me in truth. You see, because God doesn't look for information. Because he knows everything. God looks for truth. So how are you really feeling? God, I've just had a terrible week. 
Man, that person at work, I wanted to strangle them to death. They really irritated me. They just, God, can you just, can you just meet me at the point of my need? Because I want to get over this anger. But we think that we have to tell God all the nice things. He knows what's in our hearts. And he's big enough to take all the stuff that we lay at his feet. Worship me in spirit. Spirit man being the worship leader. And in truth. Just be truthful about it. Just be honest about it. You know, sometimes I stand in worship and the worship leader is leading. Now, I, I sing loud. And sometimes I lead from there. I don't lead from That's terrible. I shouldn't do that. But I just sing loud. And I just push through. And, and if, if I feel... If I feel our drama needs to build up, then I start building up. And he goes, okay, I need to build up now. It's terrible, but anyway, that's what I do. I'm so sorry, I shouldn't be doing that. But <laughs> what am I saying? I'm saying, <sighs> I'm a visiting pastor, so I can say this. Just get over yourself. <laughs> when you come into his presence, get over yourself. Just let go and go, you know what? I'm just going to worship you. I'm telling you, God has shown me breakthrough for you in this community will come from worship. It will come from worship. Because when, when you just abandon all that you are, you lay it at his feet, that's when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords shines. It's so good. Come on. It's so good. I don't even know where I am in my notes. Here's another thing I've experienced. So when we abandon, when we just let it all go. You know, sometimes you come into church and the guys don't do it. They didn't do it this morning. You go like, okay, let's start with worship this morning. Maybe on the keyboard and the drummer. Let's start worshiping this morning. Um, And that's great. That's wonderful. But, But do you know that we never start worship? And I want, I want to share that with you because I think it's important for us to know that there's something that shifts in the atmosphere when the God of the universe that created us hears our praises to him. He shifts something in the atmosphere. But there's something, that, something else that happens. You know, you know when the train comes, your train comes and the train stops and you get on the train and it keeps going? The train didn't start when you got on the train. It's been traveling all the time. Same thing with the radio. When you switch on the radio, the music doesn't start there. The radio is tuned into something already happening. What does Revelation tell us? It says to us, on and on and on, continuously, the angels are standing around the throne and they're singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They're singing that over and over and over again. So when we start singing... We are joining with an event already unfolding. So when you start worshiping, you are joining with angels that's already worshiping him. And that's encouraging. Why? Because he calls us to worship. And why does he call us to worship? Because he desires our worship. Do you know that worship is the only thing God cannot give himself? It's the only thing God cannot give himself. Why? Because to worship someone, it has to be greater than you. You worship God, He's greater than you. To worship someone or something, it has to be greater than you. And there's nothing greater than Him. So He can't worship Himself. He can't worship anything else. So it's the only thing that we can give Him that He can't give Himself. That's good news. Because He desires your worship. He desires it. Now, let me deal with another issue. I don't know where I'm going with the notes. But let me, let me talk into another issue. So, so what happens is, I mean, what's the big thing in Adelaide? Is it AFL? Is that, a, is that a stupid question? If the crows win. If the crows win. I'm a big, I'm a big, I'm a big rugby supporter. Rugby union. Not league. <laughs> rugby union, the real sport. Um, <laughs> I'm a big rugby supporter. Um, and after 11 years in Australia, I'm happy to say I still support the Springboks. Um, woo! Come on. Why is no one else clapping? <laughs> um, but you know what's amazing for me, and, and, and this is me. I'm like this, yeah. When I'm at work, I, I get into the office and I go, I don't often go into the office because often I work from home. I go into the office and I say, guys, I'm here. I'm here to talk to you this morning. And they all kind of just look at me. And then I spend the rest of the afternoon just chatting to everyone and just encouraging them. I love doing that. I love doing that. Um, so I'm the same here, I'm the same in the office, I'm the same in the community, I'm the same everywhere. I'm just, that's just who I am. 
what, what, what's amazing for me is people go to the, to the football and there's a, what do they do? They do that. There's a goal scored and they go, yeah! And then they come to church. So let your name be higher, be lifted high. Let me be honest with you, I don't get that. That a team that does not know you gets your praise. But the king of kings that knows every hair in your head doesn't get it. And I know my, my hair is getting a little bit thin. But that knows every hair in your head, he doesn't get your full praise. And, and don't get me wrong, if the shoe fits, wear it. I just, I'm just amazed when it comes to the expression of worship that people are like, mm, thank you, Jesus. But yesterday at the football, they're like, yeah! Come on, he deserves our praise. He deserves our worship, man. He's a good God. He's an awesome God. I am going somewhere with this. I am going somewhere with this. So back to Mary, right? So she comes in. These guys are all reclining at the table. She comes in and the Bible says, and the room was filled with a fragrance. With a fragrance. There's this act of worship that Mary does that fills the room. Absolutely fills the room. You see, it was a prominent display of gratitude. Of gratitude. She's going, man, my, my, my brother was dead and you raised him from the dead. A prominent display of gratitude. And you know what? They say that gratitude is the least of all emotions that gets displayed. If you do something good for someone, they'll go, thank you. In three weeks' time, they've forgotten about the, what you've done for them. Right? But if you do something bad to them, they'll remember that for a long time. They'll remember that for a long time. If you offend them, if they have bitterness towards you, if they have anger towards you, they'll hold on to that for a long time. But when you do something good, it's like, yeah, you've done that for me, but what have you done for me lately? I mean, let's be honest, right? But here Mary comes and she just displays his gratitude. And think about it. Martha's cooking. I mean, throughout the Bible, we know Martha's a, Martha's a great cook. And it's Middle Eastern, and there's all these spices that's filling this house. All these spices, Middle Eastern spices, filling the house, and she's cooking. And they're reclining at the table. And Mary comes in. She doesn't talk to anyone. She doesn't speak to anyone. She comes in, and she makes a beeline for Jesus. And she walks to him and she cracks his perfume, pours it on his head and on his feet. Think about that. The conversations are going on and suddenly, I don't know if you've been in an environment where suddenly you get a different smell. And suddenly, something smells different. Something has changed in the atmosphere. Something is different. We've been smelling all these spices, but suddenly something is different. What is that? What is that? And they smell, and as your nose does, your eyes follow where the smell comes from. And right over there they see Mary. I'm not sure what that what was funny about that. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I, I get it. <laughs> and, as, and as they turn, they see Mary at the feet of Jesus. How beautiful. I'd like to submit to you in the same way. There's something that changes in the atmosphere when you bring worship to the king. Just like that smell changes the atmosphere, there's something that changes in the atmosphere when you worship the king. You see, and it's important... <laughs> <laughs> it's important for us to know what we carry. It's important for us to know what we carry. Because um, here's the key, right? If we understand that there's this act of worship that flows from my heart that I bring to Jesus, in a world where knowledge is celebrated, understanding is celebrated, everything to do with the mind is celebrated. You know in your workplace, the guy that does well, that figures things out, the innovator, the guy that comes up with the most complex, the easiest answers to the complex solutions, knowledge is celebrated in the world, right? 
It's celebrated in the world. But here's something that happens. You see, there's something that happens in worship that causes us to elevate our hearts above our heads. It elevates our hearts above our heads. Because now we're not trying to figure things out. Now we're trying to see what is, what, what is my heart saying? What is he saying to me? What is going on inside of me? So we're elevating our hearts above our heads. And it's a beautiful illustration that you can always remember when it comes into the context of worship. What is the physical position for you to elevate your heart above your head? Think about it. Think about going on your knees, putting your head on the ground, and then your heart is above your head. And that's a common posture of worship. It's just a physical thing to remind yourself. That in the context of who we are, it's so important that when we come to Christ, we need to understand that we need to elevate our hearts above our heads. Stop trying to figure things out. Just go with what he's saying. Just go with where he's taking you. Don't try and figure it out. Don't try and figure it out. I was sharing with the guys last night. What was amazing for me is in 1998, I was having an amazing time of worship. And I was laying flat on the ground. And in 1998, while I'm laying there, God gives me this this vision. And this vision is Sydney Opera House. And I'm like, yeah, 2000, I'm going to the Olympics. That's why it's giving me the vision. No, it doesn't, doesn't happen. For the next, probably the next five years, I probably had some of the trying, most trying times of my life. But I was wondering, God, why did you give me this vision? 2006, I got on a plane. Everything happened so quickly from the time that I, I looked to move to Australia to the time I started working in Australia was six weeks. So it just happened like that. And I get off the plane and I'm in a cab and as I'm crossing the harbour bridge, I look to my right and that exact same picture that I saw in 1998 is shown to me again. Something happens when we elevate our heart above our heads. You can try and figure it out. You can try and make sense of it. Just go with what he's saying to you. Go with what he's saying to you. But I love Mary. I love the fact that not only this, this gratitude that she displays, not only does she display this gratitude, but you know what else she does? She doesn't care who's looking. Now remember, the culture at the time, the culture at the time meant that she couldn't do that because men sat at the table and the women were in the kitchen. So the culture at the time meant that she couldn't, do, she couldn't care less. She didn't ask for permission. She didn't ask for someone whether it's okay to do it. She didn't have debrief with Martha. Do you think I should do this? Can I? She just did it. She just walks in and she does it. She does this display of gratitude, a public display of gratitude. That freaks us out sometimes, right? I sometimes walk in the shopping centers and I start singing. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a fully functional man. Okay? <laughs> I just start singing in the shopping centers. I do it in Hornsby. I think people know me now. They don't even, they don't even worry about me anymore. Um, I'll never forget, though, that public display one day. And um, I'm walking in Wellington again. And um, I had dinner with, with a client, so I'm walking with two of my colleagues. Um, and they are, one is agnostic and one is an atheist. And we're walking in the street in Wellington. And, uh, and I just feel like, and it's late at night, it's probably just after, after midnight at night. And I just feel like I need to just, you know, just love, love on some people. But I'm with my colleagues. So what I'm doing is I'm walking in the street and I stop and I just encourage people. And just tell me, no, Jesus loves you. And they're like, standing there. And then they walk a little bit and then they're like, I'm thinking, I want to show these guys how much I love him. I want the public display to show him how much I love him. Okay, so the story goes on. We get to one point and I hear this cough, this incredible deep cough. And I'm like, whoa, what was that? And I turn and there's all these homeless people laying on the street and there's one guy sitting over there, older guy. He's sitting and he's having a cigarette and he's the one coughing. So my colleague looks at me, he goes, Dude, we got to go back to the hotel. Can you like let go of this nonsense? I said, just give me some time. Just wait right here. He goes, oh, okay. So I step over the people and I go to him. 
And I go, hey, man, I just wanted to come over here. Here's what I said. I said, because Jesus wants me to come and pray that your chest opens up. Because your chest is tight. The guy sits. He looks at his cigarette. He looks at me. Looks at his cigarette. Looks at me as if to say, you can think why my chest is tight. I'm having a cigarette. That's what, he's th- that's what he's saying to me indirectly. I look at him. I look into his eyes. And I can see. I can see. I can see who he is. Because when you love people, when you have compassion for people, and you look into their man, you can see, you can see you go, what God sees. You can see what God sees. So I said to him, man, can I pray for you for your chest to open? He goes, okay. I put my hand on his chest. I said, in Jesus' name, probably a two-second prayer, in Jesus' name, chest open up right now. He goes, <gasps> and he breathes. He looks at his cigarette, and he has... <laughs> Here's an important thing to note. He looks at his cigarette, he throws it down and he kills it. He says to me, are you a pastor? I said, I'm a believer and I love Jesus and he loves you. What was amazing for me is sometimes we like to judge people based on their behavior. Right? We want to judge people based on their behavior. But when he encounters Christ, he feels that the behavior that he's engaged with at that point in time is unacceptable, so he kills a cigarette. I didn't tell him that, but he encounters Christ. And he's touched, he's, his chest is open. And then I start sharing with him, and God gave me this, this word of knowledge for him. And I said, man, your daughter, she's waiting for you to come home. Why haven't you contacted her? She's been trying to get a hold of you, and he, he's got tears in his eyes. And he says, yes, you're right, she's been trying to get a hold of me, but I've got pride. I said, don't worry about the pride, you'll get over it, just go back. Just work through it with her. You'll get there and he says, yes, yes, I think I will do that. I will go back to my daughter. Now my colleagues have seen with their own eyes what has happened. I come back, atheist and agnostic. I come back, they're telling me, Pete, go pray for that person over there also. Go pray for that person over there also. An amazing thing happens. I'm walking and I don't see there was this, this young adult girl sitting on the street corner. I don't see her and I'm walking. And he, this one guy, which is agnostic, he says to me, stop. He says, turn to your left. I go, what? He says, I can see she's hurting. I can see she's been abandoned by her father. I'm going, whoa. <laughs> Remember when the prophets were coming down the mountain and then they met Saul? And Saul came into their presence and it says Saul was transformed. Don't be surprised that when people are around you, something changes for them because of the presence that you carry. So now he's seeing stuff. He goes, go, go on. I said, oh, so now you're getting things revealed to you and you're outsourcing what you're getting revealed. <laughs> what am I saying, guys? I'm saying worship, worship does something. Worship does something. It shifts something for you. We see it in the story of Mary. I mean, there's so much I can still share with you in the story of Mary. But here's the, the one thing that I want to finish off with this morning. And we're going to have a time of ministry. I'd love to, to pray for some people. The amazing thing that we tend to forget is, remember, Jesus says that she's anointing me for my burial. Right? Now think about this. When he is betrayed... Because she covered his hair, his face, his body, everything with this oil. When he's betrayed, when he's walking and he's being whipped, when he's carrying the cross to where he's going to be crucified, when the disciples all forsake him, guess what is with him? Mary's worship. And every time he takes a breath, he gets the smell of that perfume. He gets the smell of that perfume. That is incredible. That is incredible. That, 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 that when God asks for our worship, we don't realize how valuable that worship is for him. I've had times when I'm standing and I'm worshiping God and I'm worshiping him and I'm just telling him that I love him and suddenly he drops something in my heart and the thing he drops in my heart is he says, don't worry, I'll take care of your nephew that's on drugs in Cape Town. And I'm going, I didn't even have that on my heart. But he knows it's a desire, it's a concern that's so deep in my heart that while I'm worshiping him, he goes, I know what you need and I will give it to you. I stood one, one Sunday evening, I'm standing and I'm worshiping and I'll get it out. 
I'll get a little emotional about this, and that, that's okay, I'll get emotional. I'm standing on a Sunday, Sunday evening, and we're worshiping, we're worshiping, and my phone buzzes. My phone buzzes, and I open up my phone, and it's a Sunday evening, and it's a Sunday morning in Cape Town, South Africa, and a picture comes through of that same nephew being baptized. Something happens in worship. I'm not saying that it doesn't, that only happens in worship. What I'm saying is we were created for this, guys. We were created for this. You want breakthrough in your life? Worship. You want things to, to turn in your life? Worship. And on top of that, I, 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 we, we need to also understand that the expression of worship in the corporate space is a reflection of worship in the personal space. In the personal space. We all think David came and he killed Goliath. Yes, he did. But he first killed the lion and the bear. In quiet, in silence, just between him and God, he kills a lion and a bear. Then in public he steps out and he kills Goliath. What we do here is a reflection of what we do in the quiet place. And you know what? Sometimes I sit at home and I put music on, very loud music, and I just stand and I just worship and I cry. I cry. Because sometimes the only thing, the only expression that you can give are tears. And I just cry before him. And sometimes my teenage sons will walk past and they kind of like check me out. And I'm going, man, this is awkward. But it's okay. He's a good God. And I'll never forget, about six months ago, my 16-year-old son, he's 17 now. We looked for him. I said, where's where's Matthew? I can't find him anywhere. I'll never forget. I found him on the deck with earphones in. Standing and worshipping God. Why? Because he saw his father was doing it. And now he understands that if I want breakthrough in my life, that's where I go. If I want things to happen in my life, that's where I go. I lay before him and I lay it all at his feet. Worship him. Worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship him for who he is. Just worship him. Because you know what? No one. And don't care what people say around you. You want to dance, you want to jump, you want to stage dive, make sure someone's going to catch you. But whatever you want to do, do it. Because you know what? No one, people said, how can she waste this oil? How can she be doing all of this? But you know what? Do whatever you must because no one around you knows the cost of your oil. They don't know what you've been through. They don't know what brought you to that point where you just want to give him praise. So if you want to shout... And they look at you funny, you go, you don't know what has happened to me to get to this point. So I will give him praise. I will give him honor. I will give him glory. Because he's worthy of all the honor. He's worthy of all the praise. He's worthy of all the glory. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And this afternoon I want to do some of the activations and some of the prophetic stuff that I'll work through, and, and this evening, same thing. But here's the key. The key is that we were born for this. We were designed for this. Everything inside of us, hands clapping, feet stomping, voices singing, everything inside of us were designed for this. We were designed for worship. Designed for worship. I want to finish with a story, and then we'll get the worship team up. We'll do some praying. <laughs> I was flying from, from Melbourne, coming back to Sydney, and I land in Sydney, and it's a bit late at night, and my wife says, are you going to take the train, or what are you going to do? And I'm saying, look, I'll, just, I'll probably just take the train, or I'll take a cab, and she said, okay. But I'm standing, and I'm looking at my phone, and I'm going, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take an Uber. I'm going to order an Uber. That's what I'll do. So I order Uber and it says where you need to go and get into one. And I'm walking. While I'm walking, I just feel this desire to worship bubbling up inside of me. I, I, remember, I've just been on the flight and you know the, the food was terrible and I was feeling horrible. And I was just, I'm not complaining. I, I just always say what I think. Which is <laughs> not always a good thing. Um, and I'm walking and and and. and and I'm going, this, this thing's bubbling up inside of me. There's people in front of me and behind me. And I just start singing. Um, I just start worshiping. And I'm just starting to thank God. And the more I'm singing, the more passionate I'm becoming. And the guy in front of me is like walking faster now. Because I'm singing louder. And I, you know, 
Yeah, it doesn't really faze me. So anyway, I get to the place and the guy's waiting to pick me up. And I thought from the picture that it's an Indian guy. And as he comes, I see it's an African guy. And I said to him, I said to him, Bobby. He goes, I didn't know. I said, no, the app told me what your name is. I said, Bobby. (laughs) I said, Bobby, tonight your life's going to be changed. That's what I said to him. He goes, what? I said, tonight your life's going to be changed because God's got a message for you. Because I know I live in Hornsby and it's about 45 minute drive. So it's a good fare. He's not going to go, I don't want to go with this crazy guy. He's going to take the fare, right? (laughs) I'm banking on that. So I go, God's got a word for you. God's going to transform you. I'm so excited. I'm excited. Let's get into, into the car and let's go. What I didn't realize is Bobby is also like full. He goes, yeah, come on, let's do this. So I get into the car and we start chatting and and I said, man, tell me your story. And he starts telling me his story. He lives in Sydney. He's got 14 siblings. Um, and he just starts telling me his story. But it, just, just about the family. And I go, I go, Bobby, when are you going to start preaching? He goes, what are you talking about? I said, you need to preach the gospel. I said, you're an evangelist. You need to get out there and tell people what Jesus has done for you. And right there he stops and he goes, I can't do that. And I discover that Bobby has been living in the home of his dad, who's a pastor. And for a long time, Bobby being the youngest, he has been wrestling with his own belief because he was submitting to his father's belief system. So he's been wrestling to, about what Jesus means to him, who Jesus is to him. And for the next 40 minutes, we had a Bible study in the car. I started breaking down scriptures. Pulled out, I pulled out my iPad. I started explaining to him how grace works. started explaining to him how much God loves him. He started asking me questions about his future, about the, the, the partner that he wants to choose. How does God fit into all of that? And for 45 minutes, we had a Bible study. Why am I telling you that story? I could have decided to just be silent in the car. But there's this thing, this, this worship. You know, I want my life, my life to be a life of worship. And, and when, you, when your life is a life of worship, he, he stirs things up inside of you. And suddenly everything around you becomes an opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Why? Because it is for freedom that Christ has come to set you free. Christianity is either the most amazing story ever or it's the biggest lie. Under both conditions, it has to drive us to something. Because if it's the biggest lie, we need to tell people that they're being fooled. But if it's the most amazing, amazing, amazing news, we've got to tell the world. We're going to get the worship team up and we're going to have a time of worship. And I just, wanted to, I just wanted to make myself available. You know, whether it be that you feel like Pastorism has somewhat dried up in your life. You feel like you want prayer for healing. You feel like you want a prophetic word. You feel like you just want God to speak into your life. You feel like you just want the outpouring um, of God this morning. We've got a lot of prayer guys here also. Then feel free to come forward and do that. Um, but let's make our lives alive, you know, lives of worship. Lives of just laying it all before Him because that's where breakthrough is going to come through. I believe from a ministry perspective, we'll go over on the side there if you want to come forward for some ministry. I'll go and stand there now. Let's stand together as we, as we worship, as we worship Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.